What's going on, everybody? Good, bad, and ugly happening this week as we're talking about the Coastal teams. Miami certainly put up a good fight, but will it be enough to have them lead the Coastal when it's all said and done? Pitt might be knocking at that door, but Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech has some good games. We'll talk about that all here with J.J. Jackson from Locked on Blue Devils. You are Locked on ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to today's edition of Locked on ACC. I'm your host, Candace Cooper. Thanks so much for joining me today. Joined by our weekly Tuesday host, J.J. Jackson of Locked on Blue Devils. So excited to have him here to talk good, bad, and ugly when it comes to the coastal teams. Have a lot of good things to go over. A couple bad, but nothing ugly today, which is a nice change of pace, especially for the coastal that is usually super chaotic. J.J., how are you feeling on this good Tuesday? It is a good Tuesday, Candace. Excited to be back on Locked on ACC. Another week of football in the books. Three weeks down, you know, 12 game schedules for all these teams. So we're 25% done. You're starting to get a better grip of who these teams are. But we've still got a lot more ACC on ACC games coming up in the year. Still some non-conference competition. So a lot to dive into. I'm doing well, Candace. No doubt about it. And so we can get right to the good. We all know that there's a lot to go over when it comes to coastal teams. And the good of it being that a lot of them, majority of them, put up decent fights. You know, it's good to see teams put up fights, especially with our coastal matchups. And we're looking at the rankings and all the like. But let's talk about this Miami team. Like, despite the fact that they lost 17 to 9 against Texas AM, for me to see this Miami team be a ranked team and actually compete, yes, there were bad moments. Yes, they've had some injuries because of this game. I still felt like it was a positive to see Mario Cristobal in year one actually have a competitive matchup on a Saturday night game against a really good Texas A&M team. What about you? Yeah, anytime you're on that big of a stage, it's important to put out a good showing. And look, ultimately, the game did not go in Miami's favor. Texas A&M is really talented. And I think we forgot about that because of the fact that they lost the week prior against Appalachian State. But I would like to remind people that Jimbo Fisher did just turn in the number one recruiting class in the entire country. Yes, better than Alabama. Texas A&M had the top recruiting class. They made the change at quarterback to Max Johnson, who I really liked last season at LSU. Johnson only 50% of his passes completed on Saturday against Miami. That goes to show what Charlie Strong and Kevin Steele are able to do with that Hurricanes defense. So all in all, like really impressed that they played in that big of a ball game and put up that strong of a showing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, it's you take the good with the bad, but you also just learn from it. And in this case, we can learn from what a tough loss it was. But, you know, the, the couple plays that, of course, are ugly that you don't want to see when there's a muff punt and you're not able to recover it. It's always never fun. But I still think that Miami is in a good position. Now when we're looking at other teams that had a good show in Virginia Tech picking up a big win against Wofford and Virginia Tech being a team that is currently sitting first in the Coastal, just like we planned it, JJ, you know, having the Hokies <laughs> be the best team out right now. And I'm sure everyone is wondering how it's because they have that good conference win, but there's a, it's a long season. You can't judge a team by the first get. And I think looking at them in their opening matchup, we were a little worried, but maybe the Hokies are doing all right. Yeah, good to bounce back like that. We saw Old Dominion, of course, the team that beat them 
in week one, put up a really good fight against Virginia. Virginia this past weekend able to beat them 16-14. So you see how competitive that team is. A little bit more justifiable uh, for Virginia Tech to lose that game on the road at Old Dominion to open up the year. But to get the 20-point victory over Wofford, I liked what I saw out of Grant Wells at quarterback there for the Hokies, throwing for over 300 yards and two scores. Often in some of those lopsided games or what you expect to be a lopsided game, you don't quite get the results that you think you're going to from one of those programs. Uh, But nonetheless, Virginia Tech was able to do what they needed to do, got the win, and they'll move forward. Yes, two more goods that I have. Duke being 3-0. We all know that that was just like we said it would go. Actually, I did say it was going to go like that. So I'm okay with being the person who said it 3-0, facing a 3-0 Kansas team going into this weekend. And surprisingly enough, Duke is still rolling. And that's exciting for a program that hasn't had a lot of success in recent years. Who knew that we would be so fired up for a Duke and Kansas football game? I promise you. That we will be having a Tuesday conversation in November ahead of the Champions Classic. A Tuesday night in November, we will see the Champions Classic played between Duke and Kansas this year on the basketball floor. But we've got an exciting football game that's going to be played in Lawrence this weekend. And credit to Duke once again. Riley Leonard looking the part of quarterback one for Mike Elko's bunch. They take care of business. They knock off North Carolina A&T by 29 points. So good job there by the Blue Devils for sure. Yeah, and that's how you start to be a good team. You beat the teams that you're supposed to beat handedly, and you get yourself prepared for teams that are also having good starts to their season, and hopefully can they can pick up another win and be successful there. Last good I had was Pitt obviously beating Western Michigan after last year having that hiccup game and having Nate Yarnell be the quarterback who comes in and delivers when Keaton Slovis is injured and Nick Patty, of course, is riding on one leg. And so to step up in a big way and to put up 34 points is nothing that can be sniffed at. I think ultimately Pitt is back in the form of trying to be that first team in the Coastal. Yeah, and then, of course, when you've got Israel Abaconda in your backfield for him to rush for over 130 yards, like he did for Pitt. Anytime you've got the quarterback injury, it's a little bit easier for the next guy to come in when the play call is, hey, hand the football off to our talented running back. And that's what that Pitt Panthers team was able to do this past weekend. And yes, Western Michigan now one and two on the season, not the stoutest of competition, but we've seen upsets in college football already this season. So being able to take care of business in the fashion in which they were on the road, by the way, a road game for Pitt at Western Michigan. I was really impressed with what we saw. Yeah, so as it stands in the Coastal, you got Virginia Tech, Duke, UNC, Pitt, I mean, sorry, Miami, Pitt, and Virginia, and then Georgia Tech. And listen, both Miami and Pitt are two ranked teams, but they're still in the middle of the pack of the Coastal, just like we said, uh, JJ. But I think ultimately – As you look at this list, as you look at this rankings, do you still say it's anybody's game when it's all said and done? Yeah, look, in in, in terms of what could happen the rest of the way, I I think you've got to be pretty thrilled with with the start Miami had. I think like we're talking about good, we're praising them for a narrow defeat. I think you would rather be praising them for a victory like that. But still, just three games into the season for all of these teams. The other team in in the Coastal Division, of course, that we didn't mention already, Uh, was North Carolina, who played week zero. So the Tar Heels got a weird week three bye week to kind of even out their schedules and that sort of thing. So still a long way to go in this Coastal Division, uh, but uh, I, I still like Miami in the long run. 
No doubt. And of course we do. And this good, bad and ugly Tuesday I always have to go over some things that we didn't exactly love to see. But first, from cringing at the pump to getting an eye popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation hitting us all where it hurts. And trust me, it really hurts. That's why we started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries or dines out with every purchase. I'm earning gas cash back. Thanks to Upside. To get started, download the free Upside app. Use promo code LOCKED or get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. So we're rocking and rolling here with J.J. Jackson of Locked on Blue Devils podcast. You can check out all the things that he talks about, the Blue Devils and more. And more than anything, there are good, bad, and ugly Tuesdays that we share together talking about the coastal teams. And, of course, they're not always highlight moments that we have to address, but Georgia Tech being one of those in this instance because that old Miss game, 42-0, to it just looked terrible. Like Jeff Collins – more than Scott Satterfield that we talked about on Monday show with Kenton Gibbs is on the clock. If I've ever seen it, it was, it's just, it's time. The The experiment was cool. It's just not, it's not working anymore. What are your thoughts when you watch Ole Miss? Not only we kind of knew it was going to go left, but just to demolish them in the way that they did. Yeah, it's, it's really crazy. Ole Miss is really talented. Lane Kiffin is one of the best play callers in all of college football. It has been for many, many years. And, Traditionally, you're used to seeing him throw the football all over the place. That was not what happened at all on Saturday in Atlanta. Ole Miss ran the ball really well, which is a little bit uncharacteristic for what Lane Kiffin likes to do, but that just goes to show kind of the uh, poor showing that we saw from that Georgia Tech defense. And then on top of that, if there has been one uh, negative, so to speak, for Lane Kiffin as a head coach and for Ole Miss over the last few seasons – it's that they don't play defense, Candace. And when you look at the game, Georgia Tech didn't score. Like, this is a team at the SEC level that hasn't been one of the best defenses over the last five, ten seasons, and Georgia Tech was not able to generate a single point of offense. Like, that's not good. It's it's bad right now. This is borderline ugly in a lot of ways. Uh, but, to, yeah, not good things happening there in Atlanta. Yeah, and I think that Jeff Sims had moments. There were certainly flashes. There were opportunities. There were a lot of missed throws. There was a lot of getting swallowed up in the backfield for their running backs. The offensive line could not handle that defensive front from Ole Miss. But just overall, even when you look at Georgia Tech's defense that I thought would have been a more of a brighter spot for that team, they just got ran all the way through the up and down that field. So it was a long day for them. But all that to say, it starts with leadership. Even a second yeah. half adjustment. Just stop. Some, couldn't couldn't stop a runny nose. That that was just a terrible game. But I think that's just very telling of where this team is right now. But again, I will always say it's not for lack of talent. It's just they don't have it up top to make them be successful. It could be a Duke situation where they're just one coach away from being a really good program. Because here are the stats that jump out. And again, this is Georgia Tech, a program out of Atlanta where there are loads of talent in that state of Georgia, the state of Alabama, the state of Florida, all those surrounding states. You can go find th- players there. What jumps out, Ole Miss turned the football over one time with an interception. Georgia Tech did not turn the football over one time. Ole yeah. Miss lost the turnover battle and still won the game. You look at penalties. Georgia Tech committed four 
compared to six committed by Ole Miss. And anytime you see a coach struggling with command or control, those are the areas, the discipline that you would expect. Like if I saw 42-0, Candace, I'm like, okay, Georgia Tech turned the ball over four or five times. They committed 10, 11, 12 penalties. Like none of that happened. It just wasn't competitive as they were, you know, Ole Miss 547 yards to total offense, only 214 for Georgia Tech. They just couldn't get anything done. And, uh, yeah, punt fest for sure for yeah. that Georgia Tech offense. They couldn't get anything done. It just was lack of energy. It's almost like it was just going through motions. Guys were just out there because they knew they had to be, and it wasn't exactly anything worth, you know, jumping off the page. And so ultimately, again, I say that's a coaching issue. If you don't have guys excited to get out there, play really good competition. But for someone who, you know, covers both SEC and ACC at times, is it telling for you to see a Georgia Tech team get demolished in that way for a SEC team that people argue is not even in the close to the top tier? Are you saying ACC, can we say that ACC might still have a long way to go when it comes to its power five, you know, side brother here in the SEC. Yeah, I would say, uh, I, I would definitely say that the SEC is still superior and uh, it's really not close between the two conferences. Ole Miss is one of the better teams. I, I've been talking about sort of the lackluster defense that they've had over the last few seasons. They still won 10 games last season. Matt Corral was still a, a third round draft pick at that quarterback spot for Lane Kiffin last season. And Ole Miss is going to be a team to contend with in the SEC Western division this season. That said, Georgia Tech has got a long way to go. The rest of the ACC has got a long way to go to level out that playing field. So we'll see how they respond. You're right, Candace. I do think a coaching change is likely coming there. Uh, Georgia Tech is going to play Central Florida, another team on the road, a team that's led by Gus Malzahn, a former head coach at the SEC level when he was a head coach at Auburn for eight seasons. UCF puts a lot of points on the board. They run for a lot of yards. That's going to be a difficult challenge for Georgia Tech. And then they get into ACC play. Like all of this is happening and they haven't even played a conference game yet. Yeah, and as someone who knows that Duke will face off against Georgia Tech, and Duke, of course, has been the team that everyone knows, like, oh, we could pop off one win here. We could figure out how to get a win. To me, now Georgia Tech has become that team for the Coastal, where you're like, all oh, right, you know, we can, we can find another win, and we're trying to find six somewhere down the cycle. But, yeah, I, I strongly feel like Georgia Tech has just become that team, which is probably a positive when you look at the Blue Devils. Yeah, no, uh, I think they're <laughs> excited to, to get to play Georgia Tech on October 8th. And, again, that game will be in Atlanta between those two teams. but. Um, the, the momentum is definitely swinging in Duke's favor, given the recent trends here. And that might make the five and zero thing, which all I need is all I need is six wins. Well, I think they're going to beat Virginia Tech too, but like all I need is six wins to hopefully we're halfway there. Bed. We're halfway. We're halfway th there. It's just that easy. Yeah. And we, we talked offline. We decided that there wasn't too much ugly when it came to the coast. So I mean, if you feel like there's anything ugly, please let me know. But I just felt like. Overall, for the Coastal and what we've seen in past years, this is not bad. Like, we can, we can manage some of these games. We've seen some ugly. We maybe argued Georgia Tech was that. But overall, I think the Coastal is just in a good place as opposed to what we've seen, again, in recent years. Yeah, I, I would start to uh, – it, it's in a better spot for sure. I, I think Miami being solid helps them out. Duke's on a good run right now. We praise Virginia Tech for getting the wins that they have in North Carolina is unbeaten. I'm still disappointed in what we've seen from Virginia, Candace. They've scored the second fewest points in the Coastal Division. Only Georgia Tech has scored fewer points. And we mentioned the win that they had against Old Dominion over the weekend. But they only won the football game 16-14. to 
This is Tony Elliott taking over that Virginia program. They've got Brendan Armstrong back at quarterback this season. I would have just expected a little bit more offense. Even if you're losing the football games, fine. But this is an offensive-minded head coach with the returning quarterback, and you've scored the second-fewest points in the conference so far, or in your division, excuse me, so far this season. Like, that's not a great look. Okay, well, that's your ugly, and we can we can throw that in there. That's very ugly. And the fact <laughs> that you have Keaton Thompson, who is Mr. Football, really, he's just a football player. You haven't utilized him the best way possible. That's certainly something to say. But were, were you high on Tony Elliott when he came to Virginia or you know, from so, someone who has covered Clemson or seen him in action mostly? Did you feel like this was a good fit? And, again, the expectations were a little bit higher than you've seen ultimately during the start of the season? Absolutely, and I'm not ready to 100% say, yeah, after three games, Tony Elliott's not it. All right, find the next head coach. Like, I'm not going to be that much of an overreaction guy here. But I will say, confirming the numbers here, Candace, in the entire conference, uh, it is uh, Virginia second fewest points. They're mm-hmm. obviously the second fewest in the Coastal Division. Georgia Tech scoring the fewest in the league. Then Virginia and Louisville right behind them, the three worst offenses so far that we've seen in the conference. And it's Tony Elliott. Like, this guy is an offensive play caller. He was there at Clemson during Trevor Lawrence's uh, glory days there for the Tigers. So I still think he will be able uh, to have a good running there in Charlottesville. And he was obviously a guy that was in the mix for the job at Duke. I'll tell you, after three weeks, I'm pretty thrilled that Duke has Mike Elko uh, with what we've seen. A hundred percent. And it's very telling that we're talking about two teams being towards the bottom, not not just for Virginia, but having Louisville and Georgia Tech, two coaches that we feel like might not necessarily have a job when this is all said and done. But luckily, Tony Elliott is just starting and he has full confidence from his athletic director and all the good things. So there's positives rolling that way. But as we look into week four and we have the Coastal kind of kicking things off with West Virginia and Virginia Tech, a West Virginia team that is not having the world's greatest season, but a lot of people are saying, hey, come join the ACC. You know, it could be a fun time over here. I think this is a very important matchup for Virginia Tech as they prepare themselves for the following week to face off against Duke. But what were your thoughts, you know, just as you see this week four list, do you feel like this can still be a strong, solid week for the Coastal? Yeah, I'm excited to see a couple of games. You mentioned Virginia Tech taking on West Virginia on Thursday night. Um, That's always fun when you get those uh, Power 5 schools playing one another and you've got the Big 12 and ACC represented in this one. Uh, You mentioned on Friday we've got a conference game between Virginia and Syracuse. So it'll be good to see if the offense can score more points against a Syracuse team who just defeated Purdue last weekend. And then I know it's not a a, a coastal matchup, but how can you not be excited to get to see Clemson take on Wake Forest on the road? That's going to be a really fun and exciting game coming up this weekend that I'll for sure be tuned into. Uh, And then, of course, North Carolina had a week off. They're able to take some time to prepare for Notre Dame. What in the world is that game going to look like in Chapel Hill? I'm certainly thrilled to see the result there. That might be the ugliest game we see all season. I'm just going to throw it out here. Only because Notre Dame is clearly coming off, you know, a good win against Cal. But, of course, that big loss against Marshall. So, can they be – how consistent are they going to be? North Carolina, who's never been historically great coming off of – uh, by weeks, but m- more than that, they're not been historically great coming off of by weeks having to play good teams. Huh. So I say all that to say, I like Marcus Freeman. I like Mac Brown. I want both to have, fun. both have to, you know, play the game. I would love for Carolina obviously to pull out the win, but with our, you know, cousin, we call them Notre Dame. It's going to be interesting to see how they kind of put the game together with this terrible defense. Like, is their quarterback finally going to figure out 
can Caroline's defense, is Caroline's defense going to look ugly against Notre Dame? That's my yeah. biggest question. Uh, they, they've given up a lot of points so far. <laughs> looking at what North Carolina, you know, you mentioned some of these top defenses through three games in the ACC. Some teams have given up fewer points. North Carolina gave up to Appalachian State. Some teams have given up fewer points than North Carolina gave up to Appalachian State in the second half alone. Uh, so, yeah, the defense is going to be the big question mark for North Carolina as they get set for this game against Notre Dame. In the fourth quarter alone, that's how bad yeah, it was. true. <laughs> In the fourth quarter true. alone, that's how ugly it was. And we know that Georgia Tech will face off against UCF, and we'll have an opportunity to talk about that game for the next week. But overall, I'm, again, feeling confident that the Coastal is in a good position. I still think it's crazy that, you know, we're talking about Duke, UNC, and Virginia Tech being the top three teams. But, of course, we've all been thinking that it's going to be Pitt, Miami, Vine for it. Maybe that Virginia, maybe the North Carolina throwing for that top three spot. But I think that when it's all said and done, Pitt might squeak out of this, but it could be Miami. It could. There's a lot to be left. Depends on the health of like a lot of these teams. Again, the loss for Miami and their wide receiving core is getting bleak as we speak. And then you also look at the quarterback play for Pittsburgh. You know, you got to have someone at the helm who you know has been here before. And Keaton Slovis was certainly that guy. But now you have Nate Yarnell having to step in in a big way. And you know, we saw that from Tyler Van Dyke put up or shut up when you're a young guy doing it. But can can he do it successfully throughout the season? the big question and and now we get more answers again I said at the very start of uh, of the podcast today here on locked on ACC Candace that we're 25 percent of the way through uh, and now we start to figure out more things about each of these teams in the coastal division as you get later into the season and as you start to have more and more uh, of those conference matchups hopefully again uh, good health to all these players involved because we're also seeing the injury bug bite a couple of these teams at this point of the season. It's football. It's a contact sport. These things are going to happen. Every coach knows that. But now, how does your team respond when the guy in front of you is uh, bruised and banged up or might be out for a game or two? Those are all the big storylines and things I'm looking forward to seeing starting on on Thursday with that big game for Virginia Tech in West Virginia this week. A thousand percent. Week four, definitely identity week. We figure out who you are and maybe how you'll keep rolling. I like that. Yeah, JJ, it's always a pleasure to have you here on the show. Can you please remind these folks of where they can find you, follow your work? Locked on Blue Devils weekdays on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe there. Also subscribe to Locked on ACC here on YouTube. Podcast available wherever you get them. And you can follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Talk to you next week, Candace. Can't wait. Guys, come back on Wednesday. Weekly Reads and Rankings with AJ Blackwell. We'll read all your comments out of YouTube. Talk about it. Discuss. I know you've been feeling a ways about his rankings, and I can't wait to discuss who he's going to put in there this week. For anyone who missed it, you know, Florida State was number two, and they actually proved themselves to be worthy. So he wasn't that crazy. But more than that, we'll have a lot of good discussions. Look for Candace Cooper and JJ Jackson. Until next time.